Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Barretos. This is episode 157. Joining you from the streets of Bogota, Colombia. Can you hear? Can you feel the hustle and bustle? Very exciting, though. This was a vacation I did, so I kind of pick a place in a map. It's got to be cost-effective. There is a direct flight from LAX to Bogota. I'll be going to Cartagena. Oye, como le va? Sí, and uh, I'm here with my uh, my family. But I will not stop doing the soccer G under any circumstances. And I will continue to watch football while I'm here. I actually watched this afternoon at a local watering hole, uh, Santa Fe, which is a Bogota club, and America de Cali women's game, and it was packed. I'll tell you more about it in a moment. But as a reminder to all of you to rate, review, Download, subscribe, and tell a friend of the Soccer OG. Sorry about that delay there. I'm a little jet-lagged. I'll tell you all about it here in a moment. Uh, it's a very exciting place to be here. I've only been here one day. I came here when I was two years old, so I don't remember. But I come back here. This is a bustling metropolis with so many things to do. And I can't wait to explore it tomorrow. But before I do that, we get our pods, podcast under our belts. So thanks for listening incredible turnout the last couple weeks i have a very special guest a pre-recorded segment with brian dunseth who is my mls partner on the road we'll talk about the challenges the wonderful moments that we have covering major league soccer on a day-to-day week-to-week basis we'll also talk about the state of the u.s men's national team as they're in the gold cup and are heading towards a very busy 2023 where they're starting to get some fixtures in place and then of course 2024 stoppage time i will give you my final thoughts on what's happening in the uh the tournament here outside of the united states we have a nice little show it may be a little busted here and there but you get the point across it listen to that we're in bogota colombia how many podcasts in the english language do that let's go I just listened back to that first segment, and my energy was just not high enough. So I'm going to rip it through the roof right now. Speaking of, I'm here on Avenida 85, which is a, a luxurious place. Lots happening, lots of restaurants, lots of rooftops going on. So I got to match the energy. So, uh, again, two days in Bogota, four days in Cartagena, not too shabby. My family, uh, we just had Ayaco at a place called La Puerta Falsa, right by the Bolivar Square. Simon Bolivar, the greatest of the liberators in South America. And there's a lot of him. There's plazas, there's parks, there's statues. So a lot going on there with uh, um, Don Simon. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about before we get into the pod. Again, Brian Dunseth joining us in stoppage time. Business and we'll talk Gold Cup non-USA uh, stories that are developing, of which there are many, especially from French-speaking countries in uh, the Caribbean. So we're looking forward to that. Um, I did want to say, I, I, I wish I got here a day earlier because Millonarios played Atletico Nacional. And look, I have a great, you know, I, I worked Chicho Arango at LAFC. Chicho told me to call him, he would get anything I needed. I didn't really take him off on that. But if I came a day earlier, could have been there in the stadium in Bogota for Millonarios Atletico Nacional. And uh, that would have been quite an experience. But, you know, you got to work. Got to work and plug along here all the time. So I missed that. But Millonarios Victoria. So there's Millonarios stuff all over this city. They're beautiful colors. 
What a great name for a club, too. And there's a few teams in Bogota, but Millonarios is the big one. And then Atletico Nacional, which is the big one in Medellin. That was the uh, Pablo Escobar um, club. And I don't want to mention that just, just because it came to mind, but I think some of you will, it'll help you kind of get your bearings a bit. So a lot happening here, a lot happening in South America. We're looking forward to the Copa America. That'll be coming soon. So I want to get something off my chest because I was watching the USA game and they uh, drew with Jamaica, came back to get the goal late that was scored by Brandon Vasquez. And I know I can't allow my mood to be disrupted by what happens on social media. But this one, I try to ignore it and I've done a really good job. But this one really bothered me because, you know, first of all, Aaron Long, is he a World Cup defender? No. Is he a men's national team defender? Probably best case on the fringe. He doesn't fit the age category right now where we have guys like 23 and younger, with the exception of the unicorn, which is Tim Ream. So he was important because there was a lot of injuries and he kind of filled the gaps. And during that time, the U.S. didn't allow a lot of goals. Is he as dynamic? No. But I tell you, man, he's, he's much better than people give him credit for. But I sat there on Saturday on Twitter. Uh, I was doing my LAFC game. And then I, I kind of kept an eye on Twitter. And then I recircled back later and I watched the USA game after the fact. Because every comment was derogatory towards Aaron Long. It was very, it was vitriol. It was nasty. And people just kept going. There's certain accounts. And I don't want to mention the name on Twitter, but they're pretty, they have a big following and they have a narrative and look, they don't want Aaron Long in there and that's fine. So they tweet it, but don't tweet it a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And I'm not exaggerating. I know Aaron Long. I work with him at LAFC. I know his family. I'm realistic about his international aspirations and maybe he shouldn't have been called in this Gold Cup team. But let's start with his performance. Uh, I think people are on the impression that he made a mistake on the Jamaica goal. I've talked to everyone. That's not on him. He is in front of the play. And he is in front of the play. And he put his arm up to put the offside trap on. And he was in the right position to do that. Matt Miazga is behind him and decided to play the defender, leaving him onside. Jamaica scored a goal. If you think that's Aaron Long's fault, you don't know the sport. You don't. I looked at the entire game. He did nothing wrong. He had an adequate, decent, only played 45 minutes. He had an adequate, decent game. The one criticism is he mishit a header. Okay, it's not the first time that's happened. He should have done better. Okay, but it was an adequate game. But to see this... This is, a, this is a, a U.S. international, and you're continuing to crap all over him. It's disgusting. Make your point and get out. He, is, he knows this is happening, and it's so excessive, and these accounts will go over and over and over. It's just really disappointing because they've picked him as the fall guy, and unfortunately, that's the way... Uh, uh, our, our thing is and we can be we can have really good dialogue we can be realistic and I have good dialogue with people on social media in person at games all the time but that is just being nasty for the sake of being nasty and I it's hard you know because I, I know Aaron 
And again, I'll say, look, I probably wouldn't have called them this Gold Cup team. But I also want to mention people that say, let's just bring in the under-20s and play that. That is not realistic. No country is doing that. And Jalen Neal is going to be a great defender. But when he came in, you could see he was 19 years old. So I don't want to cause a rift here, but this is out there already. So I know I've gone way too far for this. But make your point about Aaron Long and move on. Move on. And I can guarantee you he's not going to be around with the National League for 2024. So let him enjoy his moment. I hope he can play some more in the Gold Cup. I know he left injured in that first half, so maybe that's not on the cards. But I hope he has his moment and he has a good swan song. But there it is. I took a lot of your time to make that point. We're going to be a lot more positive here. We're going to talk to Brian Dunseth to discuss everything. Oh, I wanted to mention something else, a little bit off the beaten path, because I'm in Colombia. I'm talking about U.S. soccer. I got to say, what the heck is happening with Die Mannschaft? And people notice this incredible demise for Germany. Uh, Hansi Flick is in charge. They are losing to everyone. They lost to Colombia in Germany. I mean, I've talked to some Colombianos. Look, by the way, if you're in a Latin American country, Uber is amazing. You get in here, it's usually a student, uh, educated, charming people. And a lot of times football, I brought a lot of LAFC hats and I'm giving them away to people so that, uh, and they're really happy because remember Chicho Arango was a Millionarios player, a lot of Millionarios fans. But if you're here, you can talk football with them on your ride. It is so fulfilling. Grand, you know, got to prick up your Spanish. But I, I just getting back to Colombia, uh, for those people going to Mexico, I'm going to Cartagena where you get a great beach vacation. But if you want the hustle bustle, you got to get used to the altitude a little bit. It's pretty, it's pretty severe over 8,000 feet here in Bogota. But uh, if you can get used to that, it's a great trip. But I talked to them, and I, I mean, Colombia pumped the Germans. What, I mean, out of the groups at the World Cup this last time around, granted they were competitive, I think they should have gotten the result against Spain, um, and obviously the Japan result got away from them. And that, I'll give them credit for maybe not being able, uh, I'll give them a pass, I should say, for maybe not being ready with a lot of with a few young players, but this is an experienced team, right? With Kimmich, and who is the the Bayern uh, the big man, the guy with all muscular? Uh, I, I can't remember. But uh, sorry, again, jet lagged here. Uh, but Germany is not an elite team anymore. I mean, they lose over. And I don't know if they're going to qualify for the Euros. I mean, so they've missed two straight World Cup knockout rounds. Remember, they got knocked out as well in 2018. So, I mean, this is, the alarm bell should be ringing. I also want to point out, because people are saying, the U.S. are saying, we need a number nine. And we got Folar and Balogun, which is great news. But um, I, I look around, I go, I don't see a lot of countries that have number nines. It's a, it's a global issue. Fulkrug, Niklas Fulkrug is the number nine for Germany. I mean, is, this the, is, that, is that the guy? Is that the person that you're going to take you? And I'm not again. I'm not taking a shot at Fulkrug. Scores a lot of goals, but that's not the standard for Germany. They have a much better standard, but they can't produce number nines. USA can't produce number nines. Um, Mexico can't produce. No one's producing. Hey, if you want your kid to be good at sorry, I'm screaming. If you want your kid to, because I'm outside in this square in the middle of the night. If you want your kid to be good at soccer, get them to play number nine. Whether they're American, German, Egyptian, you name it. Where are they? 
And all these clubs, for instance, in MLS saying we need a number nine, they're not out there, man. They don't, we don't play with number nines anymore. We're not developing number nines. And Germany's feeling that. But uh, that's the big story out of these FIFA dates that have come out. Germany in hot water. So we're going to do the uh, Brian Dunstead stoppage time here shortly. That was done at the LAFC game. So the audio is going to sound a little different. I'm going to do stoppage time from my hotel room. I'll be very quiet. I don't want to wake up the neighbors. <coughs> Excuse me, my shot clock is all out of whack. Sorry about that cough. My shot clock. My uh, sleep clock is all out of whack. So much going on. We'll get a little bit more into stoppage time. I don't want to miss a day with you. I miss you guys. And if I didn't have this form, I would be depressed. So no matter where I am, guarantee the soccer OG will come your way. And for those that have been here all the time and support me and send me wonderful messages and tweets, I appreciate you greatly. And I want to keep a good standard. Let me know if I'm not, because that's very serious to me. And I'll make sure I do it. But Bretos, Soccer OG, live. Well, not when you hear it. In Bogota, Colombia. Stoppage time with Brian Dunset, Talking about the MLS road. Talking about the U.S. men's national team. A real interesting conversation about Greg Berhalter, too. That you may not have heard. Especially if you're listening to stuff on Twitter. Check us out. Soccer OG rolls on. Welcome into the business end. Uh, joining you from uh, BMO Stadium in Los Angeles with uh, my traveling buddy, Brian Dunseth. And, you know, Dunny, sometimes on this on my podcast, I like, because I'm, I'm, I want to show firsthand the exciting life we have traveling around Major yeah. League Soccer. Yeah. So Wednesday, we were all excited. It was the cursed game, right? It was the Rapids. From the beginning. Rapids. Yeah. From the beginning, it was cursed, yes. Rapids Whitecaps. Wednesday, we got there. And this lightning storm from the deepest part of hell or something came in. <laughs> and it was there for five hours. And the teams, the Rapids wanted to get the game done. I, we wanted to get the game done. And it was, uh, it was, um, it was a unique experience. I was, it was very nice to see. I, it, was, it was like a, one of those shows at Disney with all these lights and bells and whistles. But. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Yeah. It was, uh, hey, let's get to the stadium excruciatingly early. Let's get ourselves ready. We go through all the motions. We get through the national anthems. Uh, and then literally as we're about to go to break to start the following segment, which would be kickoff, it is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please get out of your seats, run for safety and cover because a lightning bolt just landed within like six miles of the state. And the craziest part was there they was were no... closer than six miles. Well, they're, in they're the, right but in the beginning, but yeah. in the beginning. But it was, there was no, like the craziest part about this is there was no weather advisory. They, yeah. they, nothing was on the schedule. Came out, of for, came out of, And it wasn't until I got in my lift the following morning at 345 that it finally stopped with the lightning and thunder and rain. There's like 20 fans that stayed in their seats the whole time just getting doused and they're risking their lives yeah. via electric electrocution. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but I'm sitting there amazed uh, and they stayed there the whole time. I, uh, I was telling you this story, but I was fortunate enough because we, we got home so late mm. to our hotels. I was still up. I heard a beep and I go, I'm ignoring that. And I said, screw it. So I turned over to check it, and it was United Airlines telling me my flight was canceled. Hmm. And then they said, don't worry, we got you on another flight. And I go, oh, great. Uh, instead of going from 6 a.m. and arriving at, at LAX at 7.30, you're going to leave at 6. You have a five-hour layover in Prescott, Arizona, and we'll get you home by 7 p.m. Ah. I was like, great. That's not going to cut it. Yeah. But don't, 
don't phrase it that way. Yeah, they, they're, <laughs> like, doing they're doing you a favor. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, they're doing you a favor by rescheduling. This is, you know, for the most part. I got part, a slower flight there. I did. I, I stuck around. And I found a different flight on my own. But but the good thing is, well, I don't know. Whatever. Good, bad, ugly. We we live a very privileged privileged yes. life doing what we do. But in the last three weeks, all of a sudden, you and I have had like major travel issues. It's kind of yeah. Major travel, like getting home at like three a.m. on flights delayed from the East Coast, or just having flights flat out canceled, or. I mean, everything's been pretty seamless so far outside of these last three weeks. Yeah. Again, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I love being on the road. I was, I felt really good in that Denver game. I was like, oh, it's too bad. Looks I had like good. a good night's sleep. Sounded good. I was eating well. I was yeah. going to the gym. Yeah. No, no after beers okay. later. I was like clean, <laughs> and then. Well, we certainly didn't get any after that game because no. there was everything was closed. <laughs> yeah. I would have. I really yeah, wanted. I probably would have had a beer too. That helped me the next morning. Yeah. Uh, so how? I mean, I, I really enjoyed this this uh, this road trip. We've been to mostly on the west. Well, and yeah. in New York, yeah. you had the Miami trip, Columbus. Yeah. Um, there's a Cincinnati one coming up. And you get you get a nice little vacation coming up. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna miss a game. I am. I'll be recording. But I missed this. the game. Two this weeks is gonna ago. be released while I'm on vacation. Okay, there you go. There in, you go. Bo in Bogota, which is 8,000 feet above sea level. And you thought you were having some like sinus pressure in Salt Lake City and in Colorado. Oh, the other day. I was struggling in both those places. Yeah. So this is gonna be ugly. And no, it's just it was like pre prep. Yeah, you're good. No, so I went to Cabo. I missed the game in St. Louis. And now you're going to miss the game with me in Seattle. And then we, uh, we, we, we figure it out. Amy Ziskins here. I was doing my podcast, but we want you to come in and say hello. She wanted to say hello to Brian Dunseth. We're at the LAFC Stadium. But this is it's all happening in real time, Amy. <laughs> I've known Amy forever. It's amazing to see. Yeah, I yeah. do. That's what I love it because I see people I haven't seen in a while. I'm picking up conversations yeah. that I left off, whether it's coaches or players. We talk to the referees. We talk to everyone. Yeah. And it's a, it's, everyone's looking out for each other in this league, and we've got to – uh, it's hopefully been, a high tide. Yeah, it's been fun, man. It's 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 been it's been entertaining. It's been fun. Like we have a blast, I think, hanging out with one another and just having a good time and just laugh and joke. Um, and at the same time, the amount of like side conversations that you would never get if you're just calling the game from a studio or you know, you're not being able to be on the road every single week. It's been really fun and enlightening to whether we're talking to Lutz Fennsteel from from St. Louis, or we're talking to John Freeman and the referees from MLS, or from the, uh, uh, the the referee side of things, it's been it's been really cool to kind of like hear the different perspectives, different storylines coming up with the summer transfer windows and the Messi effect versus you know the growth and what the the broadcast looks like and the quality. It's just been yeah, it's been really fun, man. It's like all these like little trickle down like additions to just being able to get inside the stadium and call a game. So we cover the U.S. Uh, national team on this podcast a lot. We mm -hmm. talked about the Nations League. The Gold Cup's going to get started now. And uh, with regards to these conversations, we talked to a lot of people. And one of the things that we've uh, we're reflected on, because, you know, Greg Berhalter's back. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it has caused a wedge here between this American fan base. A lot of people don't want him. Some people just want to get back on the rails, but it's been this it's been this crazy time. It's mostly fueled on social media. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who feel Greg Berhalter is the wrong choice. The players collectively probably said, uh, not across the board, but the majority said, the vocal ones said, we want him back. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's safe to say that that was a big reason he came back. Maybe Matt Crocker and everyone said, this has been overwhelming, I think. But we've heard it from enough players. Now, we've talked to coaches, granted, who have a connection to Greg Berhalter. Uh, Nico Estevez was his assistant. Luchi Gonzalez was his, his assistant. Vanny Sartini worked with him. So these are three coaches, very well respected. 
And just to be clear, Vanny Sartini, prior to going to Vancouver Whitecaps, was a part of running the U.S. or excuse me, yes, the the U.S. Federation's uh, programming for the licensing, the pro license. Yeah. So everybody above getting your A license, this is the pro license. So just to put perspective on the way Vanny was seeing Greg Berhalter within the hierarchy of managers in the United States. I'm glad you, you pointed that out. And again, uh, Greg's son plays for Vanny. Yeah. So you can say there's a conflict here, maybe. But, I mean, the things that these guys said, not just saying things positively. I'm just letting this all out. Un yeah, un we did, unsolicited, we didn't even talk about it. They just yeah. brought it up. So I'm just trying to put everything out there with regards to Greg Berhalter, because I found this very interesting. Luchi Gonzalez and Nico Esteves, we had to almost say, hey, okay, that's enough. Yeah. They just kept <laughs> waxing on. Oh, my God, and he did this for me. I learned so much. I, I, I retrained my mind as a coach. And then Vanny says... To me, Greg Berhalter is the best coach in North America. So we include all the American and Canadian coaches that he was the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, how much do we, do I mean, we take we, away when we hear that? Yeah, I mean, listen, I am of the camp. I'm of the belief that Greg Berhalter immediately did enough following the end of the World Cup in Qatar to earn a new contract with the United States. Now, the trickle-down effect of everything that transpired, both privately and publicly, um, is, is obvious. Uh, it, it's ad nauseum. Everyone's gone. I mean, it's it's to the point where any article that references Greg Berhalter, it is a footprint of eight more paragraphs to give the backstory of what happened following the World Cup. So I get all that. But if you would have said that to me, had he done enough? He's won two of the regional championships in, against Mexico in the Nations League and Gold Cup. He qualified the youngest team for the World Cup, got us out of the group. And yeah, you could say probably outcoached if you want to talk about the narrative, but maybe if Christian Pulisic scores that opening goal, maybe we're having a completely different conversation. So it's all and variable. we're still playing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's variable. <laughs> to this day. I, to this day. But I think I, I'm, I was also in the camp that if you said U.S. soccer has somebody that checks all of the boxes and is a better suited coach going forward for this group of players, I was on board as well. So having called those games, being a part of the, the U.S. broadcast for Turner and TNT, um, I cannot tell you how many internal conversations we had about the frustrations of U.S. soccer waiting to subsequently hire Matt Crocker. And even going back, Matt Crocker's so fresh that he came after the U.S.-Mexico MLSA Liga Mekis um, hybrid down in Phoenix. So for me, if you're going to say that he's the guy, okay, great. But if you're going to say you've gone through this process, we've tried to be so transparent that through this process, a guy, Matt Crocker, who had no affiliation with U.S. soccer, who do nothing about Greg Berhalter, still comes to subsequently the same decision that Greg Berhalter is the right guy for U.S. soccer to go forward. I just I can understand being mad. I can understand having these theoretical conversations and, and battles and theological battles on Twitter about right, wrong and different here, there, you know, all of that stuff. But enough people have spoken up to let everybody know how strong of a coach he is that I don't know, man, it just it feels almost like I'm taking crazy pills when I see some of these conversations that are you start ongoing. believing them you're like well, am i missing something you you you, yeah. you you start to think like what am i missing here yeah. that the that the general public that has zero real true insight pulling back the curtain to understand what's happening is so adamantly against him being a part of coaching the u.s men's national team so i get it it's the world that we live in um i personally think that the next challenge for greg 
is not only this fall because there's some huge friendlies and some huge opponents, opponents yeah. but now you're looking at the next couple of uh, summers leading into the World Cup where, in particular, Copa America is going to be a great opportunity and there's going to be accountability with results, you would hope there is, and you want to see subsequent standard growth, which we've seen over the last four years. Made a lot of good points there, and I will talk about the Matt Crocker approach because the human condition would say, if you're coming in and go, I am taking over, I'm going to put my imprint on it. I want my guy. I yeah. want my guy, which was probably Jesse Marsh, right? We, we have enough proof. We don't know for sure. So I want my guy. I'm making a big move here because that's why they brought me in. Yeah. And for him to come back and get the guy who's still there, that probably had to maybe. Well, it was weird. It had to be weird for him. He had to bite his lip and say, I, go, I, I, got, I must have all this data and it's yeah. all saying, Greg, Greg, I want to go. I've done this comprehensive yeah. uh, job search. I, I've done the interviews I've got and they ten, work. 10 guys. I've got 10 guys that maybe are the right guy. Yeah. But if, if the data points and the feeling still comes back to the same guy, um, that, that, that's a tough decision to well, make. It's you not think a, it's easy. I think it's very tough. Well, I would say also, you know, you know, from again, we use social media as kind of this, this bearer of good, bad, and ugly. But I was one of the belief, I was also the belief like, man, we just wasted six months. Yeah. For someone from the outside to come in and say what that's egg on lot, the face for sure. A lot of people thought. Yeah. I mean, how much money was wasted just getting back to the guy that a lot of people didn't want, but a lot of people did want. So again, I'm not. This isn't like a buddy buddy thing. I don't have Greg on speed dial. This is just from me on the outside looking in and listening to the players' conversation. It tells me that they obviously know way more than any of us do yeah. about the way the culture building and attack really matters a and, lot. and it should matter and then when you hear other people around him talking about him in the manner in which they do i mean it 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 seems like it's the right decision at this moment is there someone better than him absolutely are there others that are worse that he's better than absolutely but i just i think when people talk about throwing these names out the one thing they, they, I don't think they, I think they do a disservice with not acknowledging that there's a major difference between being a club football manager and an international football manager. Being able to be with your players every single day for the better part of 10 months versus having a very defined short timeline to get your hands on the team. Because for example, even when we did um, the Nations League games with, uh, was it Grenada and El Salvador? El Salvador, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the coaching staff had those players on the field for one training session. One training session before they went on the road to go play that very first game. And it, I mean, you think about these international windows, the, the amount of information, how I want to play, what I think about the player profile, how I want the system to look, how, how we theoretically approach the game, that takes years yep. to be able to execute. And then you're talking about putting that all together with a short amount of time and never having the full complement of roster players because of injuries, suspensions, concerns. By the way, CONCACAF, ridiculous. So stupid. The Weston McKinney and Serginho deaths. Uh, and then to tell games? And, and then to tell me that they'll be serving them during the Gold Cup when they're not even on the roster, that's even more stupid, CONCACAF. Yeah, you feel like Just get out of your own way. What are we doing here? Sorry, I, I had to get that in. No, no, I, no, I felt a little dumb. I go, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, I totally lost my, my train of thought. Well, but anyways. Well, I'll tell you what you did say. Um, is the work that goes into this national team and it, it the, the the training is not quite there you can't really do that however the u.s team went from wet behind the ears scared of fireworks in that first qualifier remember Gio reyna to this they look like men mm -hmm. in the nation's league they look like a well-oiled machine they look like real professionals and you know some of the people would say i told you we got greg now look how they are and i'm thinking the exact opposite i'm like this is 
the work that's been put in. You kind of just said that. Mm. This is the work that's been put in by the coaches, by the players, so that now, two years on from when this really all started, they are the best team in CONCACAF. They're yeah. thumping Canada. And I go, that's not because he's gone, because he's insistent. I go, I could be wrong, but I, I truly believe that this is the work that's put in. That's why these players are probably saying, I, 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 I like where I'm at, yeah. and this is because of the coaching I got. Well, and, and I would say that their, their, their individual club commitments um, and the experiences internationally within the club confines, whether you're talking about Europa League, you're talking about Champions League, you're even talking about Conference League, um, those are experiences that are incredibly vital. And now we're kind of in this phase where we're watching our individual players try to navigate what their own defined individual steps are from player movement. I think the one thing, and, and I know I went viral not too long ago, but this, this conversation about, um, uh, about growth, about individual and collective growth, I think one of the beauties of this whole six months has been watching this team and the individual players grow at the, the disappointment of the games leading up to the World Cup, the questions surrounding the team, the performance of the team at the World Cup, and then now the... I would say the leadership vacuum that's been filled through the evolution of maturity of this group. Now these guys, I got to be honest with you, I, I don't think it matters if it's, you know, Hudson. I don't know if it's BJ. I don't know if it matters if it's yeah. Greg. That these guys are just like, F it. They're like, kind of on let's autopilot. Just, let, let's just do us. Yeah. Like, let's just do us. I sense that, yeah. And, and, I, and I think there's, because I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations, like, in an interview process with these guys, and they're like, you know, the reference point of 2018 and missing the World Cup, it wasn't us. Like, outside of Christian being a part of it, right? It, like, and Kellen Acosta, like, or, and DeAndre Yedlin. Like, it wasn't us. It was that, that, that was a different experience. So now it's like, we look at each other and we're like, no, let's just go play, bro. It's like, a, there's an arrogance but and a confidence, but those two things are a positive. They're meshing. And I think now you're watching, you know, two international tournament wins in Nations League and Gold Cup. Then you talk about qualifying out of CONCACAF. Then you talk about getting to the World Cup, performing, getting out of the group stage. And then now you're talking about what does this next phase of their development look like as a collective group. They're in their prime. They're in their prime. So big picture, I think we're heading in the right direction. If you want to be negative, if you want to pull out some stops, I think the biggest thing is at some point, and I said this before when the announcement was coming that Greg Berhalter was going to be named head coach, that cooler heads have to prevail in the Burhalter, Reyna, Greg, Geo phenomenon. However that looks, it has to be, there, there, at some point there needs to be those two sitting up on the dais, having an interview process, fielding questions for one final Greg time, and Gio. Greg and Geo, so they can draw a line under it. Because it can't be a situation where we're saying, Geo's not in the starting 11, oh, Greg's punishing him. Or Gio's getting subbed out in the 65th minute and he's throwing his arms around. He's pissed. Oh, that, that goes back to what happened in December. Or, you know, every single time that there could be a flashpoint or a reference point where they say, oh, this is a, this is a Burhalter Reyna situation. This is like a, a Gio, a Greg situation. But the same thing has to go, um, you know, with Ricardo Pepe. I, I think, and I, and I thought, and I've seen these quotes and I've seen people say like, what else do you expect them to say? Well, yeah, a, a part of that's true. But at the same time, a lot of guys can look at an individual event, understand their own personal situation and culpability and responsibility in that event, and say, learning process, I gotta move on. 
And I think Greg's gonna have to do some work behind the scenes individually to recreate some personal relationships. And I don't think that's, there's nothing wrong with that because it is an evolution of personal relationships at the national team level. We're at the stadium, they're testing all the music, but it gives us some nice atmosphere. I think you guys can hear me. Yeah, I love that. You can hear me. So if Greg does that and there is like, there is something just unpleasant about Gio's place, because Gio was amazing in that game against Canada. And I'll get to the second part of here because it applies to Gio as well. If you get that sense, I'll be very disappointed. I hope Greg goes above and beyond to yeah. fix it. Yeah. And that's on him. And it's on Gio as well. Great. Yeah. And it's on Gio as well. It is Gio yeah. well. But I would say this about Gio too. This could have gone the other direction. He could have been disappointed. He's not playing for his club. I mean, he comes off the bench. Yeah. He, he had an impact, but you know, he wants to be playing every time. Didn't really hear much complaints, but I'm not in Germany. But he seemed like he's he's come out the other end pretty well. I agree. Where he could have been sulky and said no. But for him to come out and play these two games the way he did, it shows something very promising about Gio, that he's well, growing up. Because he was a kid. He was a, yeah. he was being a bit of a he was a punk well, during that right before that World Cup. And I think that it feels like he's processed that. Well, I, I think there's a couple things at play. Number one, he's getting to play the position that's best beneficial for him individually. Now whether that trickle down is because Tyler Adams isn't available and you can put Weston and Eunice sitting at the bottom of the triangle as opposed to just, you know, Tyler by himself, there's a conversation to be had there. But I think he's proved that when you talk about um, flow up top, you talk about Christian on the, on the left, you talk about Tim Way on the right, you put Gio right in the middle, all of a sudden, because of the qualities of his performances, you're thinking about that three-man triangle of Eunice and Weston and Tyler Adams. And, it, and, and you and who's gonna someone's going to be out. Yeah, and someone's going to be out. Now, it's all game-dependent. It's about pros and cons and who you have, who you don't have. And the U.S., again, the U.S. has never been 100% healthy for any tournament when you talk about the full complement of rosters. That's just the reality. But Gio has done enough to make himself 100% a starter on this team the moment that lineups come out as long as he's healthy. So that's a criticism that people will say is Greg is stubborn with his lineups. He wants to play this 4-3-3. He wouldn't play with like a number 10, which we saw BJ Callahan do successfully with Gio Reyna. And, and, uh, Hudson. Hudson and, Hudson. Yeah. and to your point, it's like, okay, this is our lineup. Who do you take out to put Gio? Uh, not Pulisic, probably not Balogun. It's not, you don't, it's, you don't play that false nine. Yeah. We don't want that. Yeah. Weah, I don't know. No. And then the, the midfield trio, I mean, I would say McKinney, but I mean, that's you're taking a lot off the plate if you take Weston McKinney out. Yeah. So, I mean, where does he fit in? And I, I think the question is, people say, at the very least, will Greg play a system which could put Gio in his best position, which is right behind the forwards, which he didn't do before. Yeah. And his assistants did, but will well, there's, he there's do it? Things. I would tend to think he will. But there's but, also ways around this, yeah. right? Because when we see that Timothy Weah transformation from just a right winger to a wing back on either side the easiest solution you go to three in the back and if you're talking about Chris Richards and you're talking about Miles Robinson and you say Walker Zimmerman or insert name here all of a sudden I mean we're, we're having these theoretical debates about what to play listen Max at the end of the day this is a good effing situation. Yeah. I don't know if I can curse or not. So this is a well, you did. Well, good, but I wanted to. This is a great situation. It we're, works. We're talking about we're talking about depth of roster. Yeah. We're talking about competition for spots. I mean, think about the debate that we're having. <laughs> I mean, think about it for a second. Oh, so if Greg does it, where, where Gio's gonna play? What about Tim? What about Christian? What about Flo? What about Weston? What about Eunice? What about Tyler? Like that's the debate we're having. Yeah. Like how many how many international. National, uh, sorry, how many national teams around the world where a manager can say, 
Oh, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do today. Do I play three in the back and I'll get like six guys in the offensive phase of play? Or do I go with a flat four and tuck a right back in? And when people say he's rigid, I completely disagree. Because if you go back to the evolution of him as a manager, a 4-2-3-1 is what he was playing when he first came in. And then remember, he started taking the right back into the midfield a la Pep Guardiola. And then he started making adjustments. And then he realized Yunus Musa came in. So then he put Tyler what deep, put Weston up higher, put Yunus up higher. So when people say he's too rigid, that what that really means is you're not playing the guy that I want. <laughs> Let, let's just dumb it, it down. It yeah. is. So. Which is Gio. Yeah. Uh, but again, yeah, I, I, there's competition everywhere. I mean, I, the Ricardo Pepe situation, I, I really, I, I can understand why he didn't take him because his form was bad, but I was really surprised. I would have liked him to go in there. Um, how's that repaired now? I, I don't think it was a, I don't think that was a relationship that was damaged. It was just, I'm not, you're I'm going with someone else, which is a conversation thousands of players have. Yeah, but 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 feelings get hurt. Of course, and, and this is, this but is, lots of feelings. It's not this but, is not just but, exclusive to Ricardo. We, yeah, we gotta find we gotta find that that unique balance between it is solely about performance, or are you the father father figure? What's the relationship look like? Because remember, the whole thing about Ricardo Pepe. I was at this stadium. It's here at BMO Stadium. It was U.S. Uh, MLS against Liga MX. And that was the day where was Ricardo Pepe going to play for the United States or was he going to play for Mexico? And when you make that commitment, you think there's there's equity in that commitment. And the equity also continues when I'm not in a great run of form, but when I play with the national team, that's a different conversation. You could do that with Christian Pulisic, where you're saying, man, Christian's form right now isn't great with Chelsea. That last couple games he didn't play well. I don't know what this is going to look like at the World Cup. I don't know with all this hype, is he going to, is he going to check all the boxes? Christian puts on the U.S. jersey, all of a sudden he's a completely different human being and he's playing at the most elite of the elite level and he blows all of our doors off. And now I think like there's a free... And I can tell you from experience, every time that you're not in the national team or you're, sorry, that you're not playing well for your club team, things aren't going great, all of a sudden you go away with your national team and it's like, hey, Max, what's up, bro? I haven't seen you forever. Yeah, and it's like you get a pep in your step, you get a bump. You're back home. It's food. It's culture. It's lifestyle. Identity. Language. All of these things. Like it's your it's your safe space, and that's what that's what sometimes I think it's lost in the conversation. It's not just about performance, even though it always is about performance. It's also about understanding that whatever's happening at a player's individual club isn't always the player's fault. There, there's all these subsequent things happening around him, and the players dealing with it. The moment you come in the national team, it's your safe space. It's yeah. your homies. It's everybody wants to be there. Everybody knows what you're doing. And it doesn't matter if you're playing Grenada. It doesn't matter if you're playing Mexico. That's where you show up because you put the crest on and it feels that it's something different. And I think that's what we're seeing from this group of players. Question about the Gold Cup, which is getting started. I'm excited about it. I love the Gold Cup. I have a lot of great memories. Yeah. But this Nations League's come into view and it had a great impact. The Copa America will be next summer and you qualify through the Nations League. So there's really nothing the Gold Cup has that the Nations... I mean, the Nations League is just overwhelming. And I love it. I had a great time watching the Nations League from CONCACAF and UEFA. Yeah. Great. Now, the Gold Cup has kind of got a bit of dilemma because that's not going to go away. Yeah. And it's going to keep building. So uh, some people say they make it like a junior tournament. I don't know about that. Uh, it's a B team now. A good, a very exciting B team for the U.S. We'll see. I think they're going to win it. Yeah. And uh, I hope it's a USA-Mexico final because I want to see SoFi Stadium packed. And if Mexico's not there, we got a big problem. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's, I mean, this is a, it's a weird year for the Gold Cup, and I, I don't know it'd be, it could it could get a little sideways there. I hope not. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot going on there. You can see they made a big effort with the stadiums and 
uh, the, the PR and and once it gets started, we enjoy the games. But I'm curious, like halfway through, let's say go through the group stages, we're like, and we know it gets better in the knockouts, yeah. but you're like, this is not good enough. Well, by the by the way, you still have one of the greatest goal calls ever, Benny Fellhaber in it's Chicago. It's the 26th anniversary of it today. Yeah, yeah you're really old. <laughs> Wait, no, is it 26 or 16? 16, yeah. yeah. I went to Cal State. Oh, my God. My math. I've added 10 years to my, my life. My math is better than yours at Cal State. Oh, my Park. God. Well, I, I think what happened was the, the season, the club football season is too long. Then when you add Nations League, all of a sudden you're saying, here's a chance for my European-based players to win a regional trophy in just two games for all the hard work they've done in the previous year. And if that wasn't there, usually the Gold Cup was the last final run for the European players. So, yeah, it's a dilemma, but it's not just a dilemma for us. It's a dilemma for Mexico. It's a dilemma for Canada. Who wants to be involved? Who doesn't want to be involved? Who needs a rest? Who's redlining? Who's still fresh? Who's coming back from injury? Matt Turner doesn't play enough at Arsenal, so he's going to do both tournaments. So there's ways around it, but yes, the shine, the glitzy shine of the Gold Cup has dimmed just a little bit. Yeah, bummer. Still enjoy it, and I'm glad it's there, but... Things are changing very quickly. I don't know how it's going to look. Uh, wrap it up here really quickly. Um, you were mentioning about the uh, the boundaries that uh, these clubs have with getting their players out on international duty. We spoke to Steve Cherundolo ahead of this LAFC game. Yeah. And I was like, hey, man, Club World Cup 2025 coming to the U.S. Are you excited? He's like, no. He goes, man, like, if, we, if we won the Nations League, we'd be going to... Uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah. We won the Champions League. We're going to Saudi Arabia. Then we have Bob another competition that. on Monday. He's like, "Wow!" He goes, I, "I don't have the Ross to do it. This is really t- intimidating." But it's a. Uh, this is what this is a, the final conversation I'll come up with because it applies to with Lionel Messi coming here, yeah. and this is very exciting. Uh, and we talked to a lot of coaches. They don't think roster rules are going to change anytime soon. Uh, Miami's going to be in a situation where Messi's going to come in. We hear Alba and Busquets, and then they're going to be more. And maybe they'll be a little not so rigid with the Miami roster base. And then everyone in the league wants to see that. I want to see it. I want Miami to come in, and I want people, millions of people to watch that, and then maybe the rest of the league gets a big lift. But it's still kind of weird that uh, it's not going to – I think people are automatically thinking Messi's coming here, salary cap's going to be changed a bit. There's going to be a lot less restrictions. Yeah doesn't seem like that when you ask the people at the club level. Yeah, well, because they're waiting to see what the flexibility looks like or, quite frankly, needs to be for Miami. Um, and, I, and I applaud them for being so ambitious and going to spend the ridiculous amounts of money that is going to have to be surrounding Lionel Messi on the field. Because right now, that team needs a lot of help. They're a mess. Need a lot of, the needs a lot of help. So you bring in Tata Martino, allegedly. You bring in Busquets, and you bring in Messi. You hope for a couple players getting back healthy. What I would say there will be an immediate benefit for teams around the league because Pizarro, Joseph Martinez, Campana, a couple of these other players, they're going to have to get rid of players to add players and rebuild that squad. It's going to look a lot like when David Beckham showed up to the LA Galaxy and within 18 months, the team was completely turned over. 20 new players when yeah. uh, Bruce took over. So that, that's, that's what's going to happen. Now... I think because the spotlight's going to be on Miami, a similar thing's going to happen in L.A., that happened in L.A., which was introducing target allocation money, TAM money. So you have designated players, but you can bring in, like, three really good players underneath designated players. I think that flexibility and the pivoting that MLS is going to have to do is they're going to have to be creative. They're going to piss a lot of people off. (laughs) They're going to have to change some of the rules. 
Um, but I think ultimately it's going to be beneficial across the league. But I think you're going to see even more of a separation between the haves and have-nots. Those that are willing not to spend and those that are choosing not to spend. For example, Stan Kroenke and Colorado Rapids. The guy's a gajillionaire. He's got Arsenal. He just won the NBA championship. He's already won an NFL championship. At some point, he's got to take the, take the reins off of Colorado Rapids and invest in that team to prove that he's capable of competing with all the other teams in the league because this is a nuclear arms race. It already was, but now it's going to be even more expansive when you talk about the spin that's coming MLS's way. Very excited. The second half of the season, I'll be with Dunny all season long. We have to go right to the end of November on this one. Oh, yeah. So you ready? Yeah. All right, me too. <laughs> Just get your rest. Eat well. I, Don't I, eat deep dish pizza the I, night. Oh, my God. I, by the way, I hope you and have, IPAs. I hope you're having fun right now in Columbia. Oh, I am. I'm really having fun. I'm going to do a little bit of work, which i got to chill out, but I'm going to be relaxing. Yeah. Brian Dunseth, the great Dunny, here in the business. And we'll be back to wrap it all up on Stoppage Time next. Because, you know, I just did realize I am on vacation. I need to. Actually, I'm going to get some sleep. So it's getting a little bit late here in the wee hours. We'll publish this lovely podcast for your listening pleasure. Talking a little bit about the Gold Cup. A lot of stories developing. I think the over-looping story is what happens to the Gold Cup. And by the way, I uh, encourage you to check out Soccer OG on YouTube. Under my name, Max Bretos. I have a Gold Cup video there which will go on this topic more in detail. And um, you check out all the videos that I have there. We did talk about the U.S. men's national team. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian Dunseth. I'm hoping to do that more moving forward. There was some incredible news about Apple TV. You know, when this MLS deal came in place, you know, everyone was like going, how many people are watching these MLS games? 10, 20? Obviously, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But realistically, and even me saying, who's watching some of these games? 10, 15,000 people, which isn't going to get it done. We don't have the exact numbers. But what we do have is, uh, and I will, uh, I will read this off my good friend, Hercules Gomez, who uh, I have butt heads with several times about this Apple TV deal. So How is it going to be sustainable? Is it going to last? And I go, I told him, I don't know. I don't know. Are people going to watch MLS? Because the perception is people watch other soccer leagues here in the United States. I am confident that MLS will grow outside of American borders. I think it's going to be a big hit in Mexico after this League's Cup. I'm here in Colombia. How many Colombians play in MLS? 30, 40. I spoke to my my driver. It wasn't my driver. It was an Uber driver. Um, <laughs> temporary driver. And when I mentioned Chicho Arango, he said, oh, LAFC. He knew that he went to Real Salt Lake. So there's interest there. It's not like you have to tell these people, hey, do you know about this league? More and more young European stars. I think a lot of European view. Remember, Apple is available everywhere. If you, if you get the season pass, you can get it on your phone or your tablet or your computer immediately. High quality um, uh, video. And, and Europe, if you can watch it either the wee hours, you want to watch good a good football league, different. Let's just call it different, which it is. MLS has its appeal. It's not the Premier League. It's not La Liga or the Bundesliga. But it has your appeal, and then you could watch it late at night, or you could watch it the next morning without finding out the results. So you uh, you have more football on your, uh, on your plate, which is what everybody wants. 
But Hercules posted this. I'm glad he did. He goes, MLS sources confirmed the league is nearing Apple's required subscri subscription threshold. They kickstart an agreement for the company to share subscription revenue with MLS. The league's players per team of the new CBA would receive 12.5% of the increase in media revenue this year in the amount exceeds if the amount exceeds 100 million of the 2022 media compensation which was about 65 million when excluding fees paid to the US M&T now Lionel Messi's coming so uh Lionel Messi's about to make these guys a, a whole lot of coin and it also tells you that those threat that subscription threshold was probably pushed over the top because of the arrival of Messi i know Messi knows his influence I, I truly don't believe he knows how deep it is because he's not sitting here going on Google and finding out what are the subscription numbers, what's Adidas selling, what's this. He just wants to play football, and he knows he's a big deal, but there's no way he knows he's this big of a deal. I am completely blown away about the, the level of what he is able to, able to achieve just with him his persona so apple tv is going to pass the money on to the league it's going to go on to the players what great news uh as a broadcaster i just want to be gainfully employed so i'm happy about that too so uh i lost my point of my train of thought but i i believe i was talking about the gold cup and what it's being able to achieve it's uh look it's the nation's league is getting the best players the the Gold Cup has so many flaws with its rosters. So many guys unable to come in. It's a B, maybe. I mean, people are calling this USA a C team. Is it a C team? It's a B minus? I don't think it's a C team. I mean, you have some of these European players. You're basing it on a lot of the young players. As I said, I, you know, the Aaron Long, that really came from the heart. I mean, I, I understand. Um, it, you, I don't want to drudge this back up, but I will. It, the Everything of your dismay player-wise, cannot be subjected to one player. That's what's happening right now, and it's messed up. So we just got to curtail that. Let's support our guys. You don't have to approve Aaron Long on there, but let's support our guys. So it isn't a great field, and you wonder what's going to happen about this tournament moving forward. Now, keep in mind, the Copa America, you have to qualify for it, but if the Gold Cup provided the qualification process for the Copa America, then that would be something significant, but it doesn't. You qualify through the Nations League next year. So the four semifinalists and two additional teams make the Copa America with the 10 South American teams that are already there. Uh, USA hasn't guaranteed a spot. You would imagine they would. If they had to qualify through the Gold Cup, you better believe their A team is there, probably the Nations League team, because it's important, and those players would go above and beyond to make sure they were participating in the Copa America. That's a huge disaster if the USA doesn't qualify for the Copa America. But the way they're going, there's no chance. Well, there's a, there's a chance, but there's, it is minimal whether they can possibly do that. So the United States uh, had some holdovers, and some of them didn't play great. Matt Turner was fantastic. God, God bless Matt Turner. I'm so glad he is there. He is better than any young keeper. It was, it's amazing to think back a couple years ago and think there was a goalkeeping competition because he has blasted the doors off of that he's miles ahead of Ethan Horvath and Zach Steffen Gaga Slonina's not ready so Matt Turner Alejandro Zendayas eh, not tremendous uh, 
uh, in that first game. Really was pretty invisible. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like the, the Aaron Long. I'm sorry, I got to keep going back. The Aaron Long thing. If we were going to be critical about that game, so keep your narratives and your pre your your perceptions out of the picture. Let's judge it on that game. There's no way you watch that game and say Aaron Long was the problem. Moving on. Mexico, the big story, because Mexico was DOA after the Nations League. So they come in uh, and throttle Honduras. I mean, Honduras is a situation in itself. I mean, I don't know if you heard the stories about um, what happened with some of the players that weren't able to come in, but they got they lost 4 0. Honduras should be a powerhouse in CONCACAF. CONCACAF isn't going to be at the level of UEFA or CONMEBOL, maybe not even at the level of Africa. But all those other federations, it can be if these countries like Jamaica, which showed what they are capable of with all their dual nationals, Honduras, Costa Rica, hit their marks. Honduras, big trouble. El Salvador loses as well. That's a country everyone was hoping to kind of take that next step. It is not in the cards. But Mexico, I mean, I watched that game. And obviously the Copa, the Gold Cup will be going on as uh, you're probably listening to this podcast. The U.S. will be playing the game. Trinidad, Tobago, and St. Kitts and Nevis. Games they're expected to win convincingly, and right now they're in a chase to beat those teams by more than Jamaica does so they can win the group, which is important. I do believe it's going to be a USA-Mexico final. I hope that happens because it means SoFi Stadium is going to be electric, and I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my butt down there, if you know what I mean, Jelly Bean. I'm going to get there. Jaime Lozano came in, made some great changes, and I know it's Honduras, and this is a bad Honduras team, but Mexico were breathtaking, a, a far cry from the team we saw in the Nations League and at the end of 2022, a team that we saw at the World Cup. There's talent there. It's not at the level of the U.S. It's probably not at the level of Canada. But I thought Canada, this news that the, the, they, they're basically bankrupt. I don't know if this story ends well for Canada. They really have issues uh, with their federation. If you think the U.S. Soccer Federation's bad, Canada's like, hold my beer. It is piss poor, and they're going to have some big problems. So I wonder how that affects the product. It affected the U.S. product, right? When the Federation was sputtering around and not doing a good job developing players, we missed the World Cup. We're doing better now. I hope we all understand we are doing better as the U.S. I know there's tons of criticism towards Greg Berhalter and some of the player selections. I hope you understand we're doing better. And don't look at that Gold Cup game as a reason to start up the criticism because that was a team that had never played together. I mean, that was the island of misfit toys. And they came back and they played to get a result. That's a very promising thing to see. I hope Mexico, we need Mexico to do well, especially in this Gold Cup. If Mexico got knocked out early, which they're not, uh, this Gold Cup is going to be in these big old stadiums and it's going to be crickets. We saw what happened in the Nations League. So that's terrifying in the big picture of things. So Jaime Lozano, I just love how he came in and he fired that program up. Will it sustain? I They need to do a lot more. The talent level is not there, but this is a, a much-needed move. And I don't want to pounce on Diego Coca. He wasn't the right move. He's a great coach, but he wasn't right for El Tri. And that is what uh, the Mexican FMF has to look into. I was really impressed. I mentioned El Salvador. I lost to Martinique. We know what Martinique and Curacao does. Martinique in the French Caribbean, Curacao in the Dutch Caribbean. They uh, they can't make a World Cup. They can't make a major competition. The Gold Cup is their World Cup. They got great talent for guys that couldn't make the Dutch team or the French team or are good enough. I shouldn't say that, but they're good enough and 
um, there's a connection to playing for Martinique or Curacao, and they take it. And we've seen, you could just see the, 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 the depth of talent for Dutch players and French players. And it comes out there. And it's better. They're better than most of these Central American teams and some of the other Caribbean teams. And one of these days, Martinique or Curacao is going to pull off a huge upset, maybe in 2023, beat USA, Mexico. We've seen those teams make a breakthrough. But this year, I think there's a real good chance, which obviously is not going to do wonders for the tournament because people aren't going to watch, unfortunately. I will. You will. But the masses will not. Um, Haiti. What do we say about Haiti? I mean, watching them play is pure joy. I mean, it's a little bit rudderless. I mean, their federation, I don't know anything about their federation. I don't want to step out of turn, and I don't want to say if we had control of the Haitian Football Federation, what amazing things we could do, because you can't say that and ignore the rest of the country, which is constantly in economic and uh, every kind of distress you could possibly imagine. So you can't say, we're going to fix the Football Federation and disregard everything else. you got to do it all or not. You got to do it all together. And I don't know how we do that. But Haiti came out, beat Qatar, very controversial game. Qatar, let's face it, got screwed in that with some really poor officiating. But I know Haiti's not going to get to the point. I, I picked them to make a semifinal in this Gold Cup, sticking to that. You want to see development. You see a lot of these players like Fafet Picot and Derek Etienne who play in MLS and do a great job. Uh, a few others that play in the lower divisions of. of the United States, a guy like Dukan Nasson who plays in, uh, was it Bulgaria? And there's talent there. You know, Haitian athletes, I don't know if you've looked at the NFL, but when you see a French name on an NFL player, Jean-Pierre Paul, Jonathan Vilma, they're Haitian. I mean, they, they've come to South Florida. There's a big Haitian uh, population there, and they got into the NFL. And can you imagine if those, some of those athletes started playing soccer? There's so much potential, but I don't think it's ever going to be met. So I, I really enjoy Haiti, but every time I watch it, it's just with, there's like this pit, this feeling in the pit of my stomach that this is as good as it's going to get when it could be so much better. But this is the world we live in. You know, as someone whose parents are from Cuba, and I've seen every sport in Cuba just decimated to where it's, we have a, there's nothing. I mean, there was a, what was it, the Barcelona Olympics, Cuba finished fifth. Obviously, this was Fidel Castro pushing sports there. And trying to get it um, using politics to kind of put it over the top. But we saw great Cuban athletes as boxers and baseball players. We still do, but it's just the numbers have gone down. because yeah, This is the world we live in, and it sucks. I hope for a better day for Cuban sports, and I really hope for a better day for Haitian soccer. I hope this tournament can help that, but no matter what happens, who knows what's happening in Haiti with uh, what they have to deal with. So... I'm enjoying it. I'm the biggest Haitian sport fan out there. Uh, so many Haitian friends that uh, I, I cherish their friendship and relationship. Uh, it is a good story to tune into the Gold Cup. So there you have it. This Gold Cup has its flaws, but there's stuff to watch at, and there's lots of it. So enjoy it. It's our league. It's our tournament. It's our federation. It's our neighbors. So enjoy it. Soccer OG, rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend. I had to be very quiet here because I was in a hotel. I told you I was outside in Bogota earlier. So you're getting audio from all over the place on this one. We'll be back again next week. I'm going to enjoy my vacation. Highly recommend getting down to Colombia. Get some time to decompress wherever you go. And until we meet again, Placido Domingo. Mm -hmm.